It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On a Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we dig further into the R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, OG Ananobi trade with Gavin Shaw from Locked On Knicks. It's a little crossover action. We dig into what the Raptors are going to miss about OG, what to expect about the R.J. Barrett experience, and is there anything to Emmanuel Quickly's career struggles in the playoffs so far? We'll get into all that coming up on today's show. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, January the 2nd, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that don't work so good, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors, and of course, you can join us in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join, and we would love to see you in there, as it's a great place to talk about the Toronto Raptors among friends. There's no toxicity. It's all just good times and happy vibes and some light disagreement, but it all ends up coming out in the wash. Come hang out. We'd love to see you there in our growing listener community over on the Discord. Uh, of course, you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend. You do that. It helps support the show. Makes me feel good in turn, and I appreciate that very, very much. I like feeling good. You can also make yourself feel good by going over to YouTube and subscribing and hitting the notification bell so you never miss an episode when it goes live. It's a great little feature for you everydayers out there who want to be in the live chat as the episodes premiere and uh, hanging out with all those folks who are tuning in as it's going live. Okay. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked at NBA. Use the code lowercase, all lowercase that is locked at NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And with that, we will dive into today's show. No need to waste time. It's Gavin Shaw from Locked On Nits. We're talking about the. <clears throat> and with that, no need to waste any more time. Let's just get to it. It's Gavin Shaw from Locked On Knicks here to talk about why the timing was right for both teams with this trade, what the Raptors are going to miss with OG Ananobi, RJ Barrett, his up and down sort of uh, oscillations as a player, and the experience of watching him, Emmanuel quickly and all the good stuff that comes with him, as well as his playoff struggles so far in his career. Is there anything real there? Is it something to not be too worried about? Gavin doesn't think so. We'll get into why that is coming up later on. Uh, but without further ado, let's get to it. Myself, Gavin Shaw, talking all about the Raptors' Knicks trade from over the weekend. Let's get to it. All right, guys, as promised, the man, the myth, the legend. Now I can finally say it, Sean. My favorite Canadian is on the podcast, Sean Woodley, the host of Locked On Raptors. Um, if, if, if you don't get that reference, he, he famously gave me crap uh, for calling my favorite Canadian when RJ Barrett was on the team. And maybe it was just a little bit of truth sneaking out that shouldn't have gotten out. 
now I can I can I can embrace the hate. Now I, I love RJ. Uh, but Sean, welcome to the show. You can guess what we're going to talk about: OG and Nanobi. Um, I, I guess the only place to start. You know what, Sean? Let me let me start here. Are 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 you happy? Let let let's just start with that. That feels like a perfect place to start here, Gavin. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think I'm happy. I think this was a deal that the Raptors just kind of had to make, considering the sort of corner they've painted themselves into as a franchise, the sort of rumblings that it seemed like OG Ananobi was intimating that he was not going to return if he were to hit free agency in the offseason. You know, the Raptors got a lot of things to juggle, and if my sort of thinking on this season was, they have to decide before the deadline, are they going forward with one of OG or Pascal? And if they move one of them, that's enough for me to be like, okay, we've indicated the direction. They might still move Pascal, but I do think one trade of the two was probably necessary just to kind of kickstart this thing. And my thinking over the last month or so had grown to be that OG hadn't quite shown the offensive leap that I think was going to be necessary for the Raptors to justify paying him long-term. And he just... It just felt like he was also going to net the most back in return, considering the market, considering what he makes, um, considering that he's just an easier player to fit into most teams than Pascal Siakam is. And so I'd come around over the last little while to thinking, okay, if OG's the guy, he feels like the best avenue to getting whatever that might take to go and get the guard that this team desperately needs. I didn't necessarily think they were just going to get that guard straight away. I thought it was maybe a get some stuff to then parlay later type of thing, but they got Emmanuel quickly and I'm thrilled. I like, Back in the summer, I was pitching Emmanuel quickly as a guy the Raptors should be targeting on the podcast. So uh, I feel vindicated. I feel like I talked this one into existence. So, yes, I'm extremely happy. And the R.J. Barrett inclusion is a pretty fun thing to boot. What about you? Yeah. Are, are, are you like I know Knicks fans were kind of like mixed on this, right? Of They love quickly. Yeah. Some love Barrett, some don't. And, you know, I, I you know, I, it seemed like it was kind of a mixed reaction out of New York. What are where are you at with this? Are you happy with the deal as well? I, I'm definitely happier after watching game one and, and a big one for the Minnesota Timberwolves. That that like eased a whole a whole lot of concerns. Um, but it, I, I think the the fear there from some Knicks fans and and certainly myself is that Emmanuel quickly could ultimately end up being the best player in this mm -hmm. trade. And it's painful to lose that. But I think that version of quickly could never have existed on the Knicks. And and certainly not the Tom Thibodeau New York Knicks. And I I think that that's kind of what I've kept coming back to is that you can you can hypothesize as much as you want you could talk about how good the lineups were with quickly and brunson together and um it, it just it was never going to be reality those two were going to be starting and playing i don't know like 28 minutes a game on the court together like tom mm -hmm. thibodeau just never saw quickly that way and you know what he he might have been right in terms of those statistics that were incredible i mean the main lineup they were used in this year plus 33 net rating um might not have translated to the playoffs. They did last year, but over a relatively small sample size and quickly's play in the regular season hasn't yet translated to the playoffs, which we can get into a little bit later in the show while OG, like again, the ceiling might not be there, but it's, it's very obvious what he brings to this team. The accessibility of his skill set for the Knicks is incredibly easy and, and was incredibly fluid, as they kept pointing out on the broadcast yesterday in a 48-hour whirlwind where his head should have been spinning and he had every reason to go out there and shoot like two for 12 or something, and his defense could have been 15% worse than it normally was. Instead, he's making every three. He's cutting to the basket for three dunks, and he's, he's locking up Anthony Edwards down the stretch of this game until he uh, fouled out in, in sort of a BS fashion with four <laughs> minutes left. So I'm going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy with this trade. It is it is distinctly sad to lose Emmanuel quickly and R.J. Barrett, but 
I'm, I'm still very happy with this trade. I guess that, that's kind of where I wanted to start in terms of talking to you about OG. Like, what did what did he mean to this Raptors organization? Like, what did you like? What was your feel for him just as a human being? Because I, I think almost before anything else with RJ and IQ, it, it's just what the Knicks lose from a cultural perspective with those two guys, and, and the fact that the Knicks have had so few great homegrown talents, and those sure. are two guys who who wanted to be in New York and did just an immense amount of work to bring the Knicks back to respectability. And I feel like OG maybe has a similar meaning to Raptors fans. Yeah, definitely. Like if I'm sad about this trade, it's, you know, a losing uh, like an all world wing defender, you know, Shannon obviously, but I think even more so it's just, he's a really fun and cool dude to root for. Like he is a very unique sort of unicorn type player in the way he can defend one through five. He's one of maybe five players alive who can actually credibly claim to be able to do that. And off the court and just sort of, you know, working within the, the the dynamics of the team, he's just like a really funny dude. He has been part of a lot of really hilarious, like off-court moments. Uh, you know, people have probably seen the Serge Ibaka, OG, Ananobi scarves debate. Um, you know, that's, I think, a kind of a window into this dude's a really cerebral guy. He's not going to play the media game necessarily which i loved about him like you ask him a, like a pretty bad straight out question he's going to give you the most basic like right to the point answer you could possibly ask for in five or fewer words and you're gonna have to figure out how to ask better questions i just i kind of love that i love that he kind of took the piss out of the whole media thing that that you know we kind of do every day the sort of cycle of you know shoot around and pre-game availability and post-game availability and stuff like that it was just kind of fun and yeah like just like a really cool player to have on your basketball team because you know he's giving you like he's not taking anything away right there are some times where he'll have these offensive dalliances that don't work all that well sure that's fine and you know maybe he can iron some of that out in new york with a little bit more room to operate we'll see but as far as what he does when he's on the floor he was just like always a positively impactful player right his defense always held up outside of the last month or so where it really fell off a cliff and i maybe think there was maybe some quiet quitting going on there it seemed like everyone kind of knew this was coming um so i wouldn't expect that's going to maintain um you know i think he'll kind of get back to his close to all defense level at the very least going into new york and uh the fact that he was always just there kind of knocking down threes and finishing plays with loud dunks like just a really exciting easy to root for type of guy that raptors fans are certainly going to miss he was a big part of a lot of what the raptors did well over the last seven years and it's a shame that he they couldn't figure out a way to work it out but i do think like i said this feels like a win-win trade and we don't get to really bask in that all that often when it comes to nba trades it feels like there's always this urge to be like ah this team won and this team got fleeced and ah i can't believe this team would do that this kind of just feels like a deal that makes sense for both teams the raptors get a little more depth they get a couple of you know skills um in the players they bring in that they didn't have on the roster before and they move on from a sort of big contractual headache that was hanging over them while the knicks get a guy who fits perfectly within the context of a jalen brunson and julius randall led basketball team win-win trades baby it's the way of the future <laughs> <laughs> they rarely, rarely happen. And, and who knows, like we look back on this in a few years, whether we both feel that way. But right now I'm, I'm going to bask in the happiness for another 
minute or so as, as we step aside and then come back and talk about what makes OG Ananobi such a special defender, assessing his play this season before diving deep on RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, their debuts in a big win in Toronto and how they'll impact the Raptors going forward. But before we do all that, I got to tell you about our buddies over at Prize Picks. So at home, even in Canada, you might be asking, what is Prize Picks? Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports DFS platform in North America. We're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. I, I would say the single coolest feature is they offer a reboot policy. So even if one of your players gets injured for a football or basketball game, if your player exits the game in the first half and does not return the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to so go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA and use code lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred bucks. Again, that is prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA and use our code lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred bucks. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Sean. Um, I promise this is not a gotcha moment. It's it's more so <laughs> embracing because I want to I want to keep things um congenial here. I want to keep things positive. Um, but I remember over the summer. And this is an sure. on an effort to keep things uh, positive. You, you said on OG Ananobi, he's the kind of player who you trade and then spend the next 20 years being like, I wish we had a player like that on our team. And then you also referenced the quote from Masai Ujiri, if I could build the whole team out of OGs, I would. And I say that in the sense that I would probably say the same thing about Emmanuel quickly. And that's that's where sure. this trade is a lot of fun. <laughs> this is, is it's two guys that you honestly just love like if, if you're a fan of the team and, and there's really like, I don't think you like the team if you're not in love with those guys. But for OG, um, unlike quickly or I guess somewhat like quickly, but specifically like what makes him so special is as a defender. And, and you've highlighted it for us as, in, in the past. But I want you to go over it one more time because I, I think it, it's almost been lost in this conversation where we're doing podcasts. And we're like, all right, what's the next move now? Like, oh, my God, there's going to be so great for spacing. And oh, yeah, he's like one of the best defenders on planet Earth. What gets lost in that is is sort of the nuance of it, and and I think mm -hmm. I think you're the perfect person for that. What actually makes him so special on that end of the floor? What makes him capable of defending one through five? I know an, another another reference from the summer's pod. You, you you noted like he might be the best guy in the league at defending a Nikola Jokic, while at the same time you you can't throw him on an Anthony Edwards, and he can do an incredible job in that type of matchup. Yeah, I think peak OG is sort of the ideal of defensive versatility. That's kind of what I would say is sort of the thing about him that makes him such a great defender. He is just able to scale up or down the lineup 
go up against basically any player archetype and at least have a shot. Does he shut down Nikola Jokic? No, nobody does, but he's incredibly strong. You're going to come to realize this. Uh, he's so strong that refs don't really understand how players bounce off of him. He gets called for like a lot of charges and stuff just because he's bloody strong and no one can like stand in front of him without falling over. That's like one of the sort of drawbacks of having a guy like him, I suppose. But uh, the benefits certainly outweigh the drawbacks. He, yeah, like, like I said, on defense, one night he can be your primary on Nikola Jokic. The next night he can be chasing Trey Young around and shutting him down to close a game. And, and you know, kind of coming up with like massive defensive plays while doing it, right? Blocks on threes, huge steals, completely locking down stars. That's kind of been his thing. There, there was just like a, a long run there, kind of, you know, even into the start of this season. It kind of, again, dissipated over the last month or so. But where, you know, he's up against a Luka Doncic or a Giannis Attentacumpo or whatever big wing creator for the other team. And you feel pretty good about that guy not just destroying you that night, right? Um, you know, some guys are going to go off. That's what stars do. But he always made them work extremely hard for it. And I think that is the thing with OG that's just so fun on the defensive end is, you know, there's a guy cooking you. Okay, throw OG on him. It's probably going to stop the cooking, right? It's going to take that heat off a little bit. And then maybe someone else starts cooking you. Oh, no, okay, we can just flip OG back over there. Like, it's truly... We don't see a whole lot of guys in the NBA who can actually tangibly guard one through five and do it capably. There are guys who can pass at it. There are centers who can switch onto a point guard for a possession or two. OG is legitimately a, a one through five defender. He's strong enough to bang with the big boys. He's quick enough and agile enough with his footwork to stick with smaller guys. It's a blast. And, and that is really, to me, the, the essence of OG Ananobi as a defensive player. Nobody outside of, like, I don't know, Draymond Green and, uh, like, Jaron Jackson Jr., maybe? Like, there's a very short list of guys who can do that up and down the lineup, sort of just switching roles based on the need of the team defensively. And it just gives you such a backbone for your defense, right? You can have breakdowns elsewhere. The Raptors certainly did. But you kind of know, okay, that dude... He's going to handle the guy who's hurting us the most. And that's a pretty nice thing to have on a basketball team. I, I think last night's game captured, and, and I hate to refer to a human being this way, but like the genuine joy of like getting a new toy when you're a kid. And like, <laughs> and I think guys that's what rock. I, we love yeah. new guys. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what, that's what everyone wants from a trade, but I think in, in Nick's deals in the, but we've had moments like Tracy McGrady scored 26 points and like out Kevin Durant in his first game as a Nick. And then it was, <laughs> it was never that good again. Um, so we've had moments like that as Knicks fans, but and even like obviously getting Amari, getting mellow. Um, so it's happened before, but it was, I think it stood out so much because the Knicks were just repeatedly outclassed this year when they played. I mean, not only the best teams in the league, but really the biggest teams in the league. And and there was just this pit in your stomach saying, like, we could shoot about as well as we want. We could defend as hard as we want. We could be as scrappy. We could have as much heart. We could embody all the things that the Miami Heat put in the center of their court on, on special occasions. Um, and it just it ultimately isn't going to matter because we're just we're just a little too small, a, a little bit too non-physical. And like the guys who are big enough just don't quite have the focus, the strength, the tenacity, the skill defensively to put that all together. And then plop in OG Ananobi and all those issues are, are just magically gone. Um, mm -hmm. like like Dumbledore waved his wand and all of a sudden we were we were all saved. Um and, and just watching him switch between Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, it was it was a joy. It was I can't I can't phrase it any other way. Um I'm I'm happy you mentioned the the quiet quitting because that's that's really what I wanted to ask you about because the thing when when I was going over just like the numbers with OG and like I was expecting like all right like same same as always like elite elite steals 
elite blocks. Like my eyes kind of jumped out of my head when I saw he went from, um, in terms of block and steal percentage, um, near the top of the league in both last season, which for people who don't know, it is, it is extraordinarily rare for a player to ha- be up there in, in both those capacities. 94th percentile on block percentage, 95th percentile on steal percentage. Um, and then this year, he's a little bit above average in the 50s in both those categories. Is that as simple as like he was just not super happy in Toronto and he didn't want to play with quite that maniacal effort anymore as, as maybe a means of motivating a trade? Um, because I, I didn't I didn't think the athleticism was suddenly gone at 26. But what, what was going on there, Sean? Yeah, I think a couple things. One, yeah, I think the writing was kind of all the wall. And, you know, you kind of listen to the rumblings around the Raptors beat guys. And it does feel like internally this had been building towards a trade for some time. And that, you know, that's natural, right? That's just like natural human nature. You know, you're kind of on the way out and maybe you don't want to go too hard to risk getting injured. I don't know. Like, right. Like these things happen. I wouldn't expect that the sort of fall off in his just general, like on ball effectiveness, for example, that was the thing that I really noticed was that just he wasn't locking dudes up the same. I, I don't think that's going to carry over. I don't think he just forgot how to do that. He was doing that at the start of this season. Right. So I do think there are just kind of natural human factors at play with some of the drop off. I do think though, the Raptors scheme has not done him any favors. And when it comes to racking up the counting stats, we know Nick nurse, he played maniac defense. He played, you know, sending two to the ball. We're hawking passing lanes. And OG was a big part of that. Obviously, this year, they play a way more conservative style under Dar- Darko Ryakovich, almost too conservative, I think. It kind of leaves their guys on an island a little bit too much. Part of that scheme and the change to the conservatism, I think, is partly because they figured, hey, like we have a lot of defensive talent, OG at the front of that group. We can probably hold up in single coverage more than we have given ourselves credit for as a team under Nick Nurse in, in recent years. That has not proven out to be true because team defense is important. Help defense and rotations are very valuable and all that. Um, so I, I think just he's had less opportunity to go hawk those steals. Scotty Barnes has been working the back line a lot more often as a sort of you know low man type of guy. So he's been racking up that sort of block percentage that maybe OG was more sort of inclined to get in recent seasons as well. So I think it's a scheme thing. I think it's also the human nature thing. I would not really have any concerns about a massive drop off. He was you know an all defense guy last year. Arguably could have been on the uh, on the defensive player of the year ballot, right? Like the the, the effect he has as a wing no wing is ever going to affect a game as much as like a true rim protecting center but OG is about as close as it gets in terms of impact um so yeah I, I don't expect that the drop off we saw over the last month month and a half is going to carry over to his time with the Knicks and it does seem as though fouls notwithstanding like that pretty much held up true in the first game against the Wolves there I think what stood out maybe more than anything was was just his his ability to impact play at the rim mm-hmm. on both ends of the floor as a wing. Like he, I, I noted it earlier, but he had three dunks, and Alex and I were racking our brains for the last time. And Nick, other than Mitchell Robinson, had three dunks in a game. And <laughs> maybe maybe been a decade. Like we just haven't had that type of athleticism where RJ Barrett could fly in transition, but in terms of in the half court cutting to the rim, catching, and then like from like two feet, just going up and like jamming on a, I always get my McDaniels confused, but I think Jaden McDaniels. Um, <laughs> Jaden, and yeah. Jalen yeah, is right. the one who's not very good who plays for the Raptors. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh yeah, you would know. I forgot I'm talking to an expert. Okay, great. Um, but anyways, um, that was, that was nice. And then, and then to your point is like, as a low man, like the Knicks immediately used him in that fashion. And he had like multiple times where he just like, he kind of apparated out of nowhere and, and got a block at the rim or, or affected a shot at the rim. And that was tantalizing because I'm Julius Randall. You're lucky if he, if he takes a step when someone's driving, the same was true for RJ. And again, it just, it felt like a a new world with OG on on both ends at the rim. 
Yeah, I, that's that's the whole thing, right? Is he totally changes the context of your defense. He takes the burden off of your other wing defenders um, and your guards too, right? Like you can hide a guard. If you need OG to go handle a Donovan Mitchell or a Trey Young or whatever, you can hide Jalen Brunson and not have him, you know, have to run through the gauntlet of screens to keep in front of those guys as well. It does really change the context of your whole defense to have a dude who's that multiplicitous as a defender, you know, kind of working for your basketball team. It's pretty sweet. You know, the Raptors, I think... is. They're going to miss him. And like I said, to your point, they sort of they're going to regret trading him for 20 years type of thing. He is that type of player, right? Those guys don't come around very often. I do think, again, though, the defense for OG Ananobi is more valuable to the Knicks than it is on the Raptors right now. Yeah. And the Raptors so badly need some kind of creation. Um, and I think both Baird and Quickly offer more sort of downhill attacking prowess than OG does. Back to the whole win-win thing. I, I think it just is a deal that makes sense for both teams right now. OG feels more valuable to a team like the Knicks right now than he is to the Raptors. And I could argue quickly and Barrett are more valuable to a team like the Raptors right now than they were to the Knicks. It's a, it's a sweet bit of serendipity for sure. Um, you know, I'm fascinated to see how OG's offense comes along. That's kind of the one thing is, yeah. you know, in a bigger role. He's a kind of wanted one and not really seized the opportunity when it's been there from time to time. He's had big games. You know, we had a 36-burger against the Knicks last year at MSG. That was pretty cool. But he, you know, it's a little bit mechanical. It's a little bit robotic. There's not a ton of feel. It's a lot of just power and driving and strength, which is not a bad thing necessarily. But I do think it kind of hampers his playmaking. And I think he has to kind of settle for pull-up mid-rangers quite a bit because he can't quite turn the corner on guys all the time. Um, so we'll see how that comes along, but at the very least, you're getting a guy who's an awesome play finisher. You talk about the dunks, get used to OG throwing down like reverse chin up dunks, just from cuts on the baseline, yeah. gets the ball fed to him, reverse chin up. That's just kind of his thing. That's like the, the, the sort of signature OG and an OB play. Um, and you know, as an off ball mover, and again, as just like a knockdown three point shooter, he's just a really nice player to have in your offense as a trigger man, as a guy who can finish off plays, not necessarily create them, but maybe the Knicks don't need him to do all of that with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, obviously, so heavily on the ball. Yeah, I, I think I think what's exciting is is just the extra room, and, and, and to your point on his playmaking, just making those decisions easier with a wider margin for error and, and making closeouts on him that much more painful. Like if, if you're coming because Jalen Brunson sucked in the whole defense and, and, and you don't just kind of get to build the shell like you have at, at times this year against the Raptors, um, like OG can get a quarter three, or if you're closing out like, like erratically to like get all the way there. Like he can blow by you. Like he did at the end of the first quarter and set up Josh Hart for an easy layup. And, and I wonder if that also gives him more confidence and in turn amplifies other aspects of his game is right now. The Knicks have Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, who are probably, I mean, two of the best, I don't know, 15, three point shooters in basketball, whether that holds up with DiVincenzo. Um, that's kind of an open question, but right now it looks really, really good and really, really exciting for the New York Knicks. But I also think Things are very exciting for the Toronto Raptors, and I am extraordinarily jealous and will be watching with bated breath to see the, the full unleashing of Emmanuel quickly. Um, but before we do that, we, we got to unleash uh, fans' wallets. If they, if they want to fill it up, one place they can do so is our buddies over at FanDuel. Sean, I'm going to let you talk about it. The NFL season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, Gavin, right now. New customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you just 
place a $5 bet. You don't got to win that bet. You just got to place the bet and you're going to get 150 bucks in bonus bets. I see no downside to this. Uh, if you're looking to get a little bit extra scratch to go throw around on FanDuel, it's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is super easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet like live same game parlays. This is my favorite way. I don't often dabble in sports betting, but when I'm at a game, I love a same game parlay while I'm in the house. It kind of adds to the juice of being in there watching the game. If I can get myself to a Raptors game with Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett on the court this season, you can bet I'm going to have them involved in a live same game parlay i'm very excited about it gavin you can also find bets in the new explore tab you can make a parlay in the parlay hub the best way to find popular parlays and of course you got your spreads your over-unders your player props etc etc so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl and of the locked on podcast network the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Sean, floor is yours. What, what do you want to know about R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly that you, you didn't find out in that thrilling opening win over the Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah, um, this is there's a lot here, right? Like quickly, I feel like I, I kind of know pretty intimately because I've been sort of watching from afar, just sort of longing for the last six months, hoping for the Raptors to land. <laughs> I like him. The, little, I, the little hand motion you did. With that. That was really, guard yeah. who can dribble and Emmanuel, shoot. Please, over here please. In Canada, please use your passport. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, Quickly is a guy I feel a little bit more sort of comfortable knowing what he's going to bring to the table. I still have some questions about him. I, I want to get into the playoff thing with you for sure. Yeah. Um, but let's start with RJ because RJ is someone who comes to Toronto and I feel like he's just going to be, you know, prone to being showered with praise. He's a Canadian. Everyone loves the guy. He had a really nice first game, five turnovers notwithstanding, but he did have uh, some pretty important buckets for the Raptors, hit a couple big free throws in their win over the Cavs. And like I said, he offers a bit of driving juice that I just don't think OG really had. I think there's a little bit more craft and a little bit more sort of power and intention to his drives than OG had. And I think that was a really nice thing for the Raptors to lean on in some possessions that kind of bogged down um, in the game against the Cavs. But obviously, he's a polarizing guy, right? He's someone who is kind of constantly debated, is he good or is he not good? Obviously, we love to paint these things as black and white. I think there are good things about his game, and I think there are not so good good things about his game. But I guess my question to you is, can you describe the R.J. Barrett watching experience? What is it like to be a fan of a team that has R.J. Barrett heavily involved? Is it a positive thing in the net? Is it a negative thing? Does it make you feel like you have... Uh, you know, like lead in your stomach, uh, <laughs> watching them. Ouch. I'm fascinated because I think, you know, everyone's going in with a really open mind, right? I, I think he's going to get a lot of benefit of the doubt. He's also 23 years old and is going to be in a different role in the Raptors. I'm actually pretty bullish on him kind of ironing out some of the warts of his game with the Raptors in the coming years. But, uh, just in general, what's the experience like been being an RJ Barrett watcher on a nightly basis for the last four and a half years? Yeah, it definitely reminds me of the uh, Laurel and Yanny thing or the blue dress, gray dress memes. Um, <laughs> because it really, it, it, he is the the epitome of a player that is in the eye of the beholder. Two sure. people who know 
maybe, may, maybe not total experts because I think there'd be some nuance. But let, let's just say two serious basketball fans could watch him and one could come away saying like, man, that dude, he's, he's going to be a five-time All-Star. And the other person could come away saying he he sucks. Like he's just, he's just not, <laughs> he's not, he's not, he shouldn't be an NBA rotation player. And I think I, I almost, as someone who um, considers himself to know quite a bit and has watched almost every game of his career, um, I'm kind of in the middle on those two things still to, to some extent, maybe leaning a little bit more towards the negative. I will say, I, I think the change of scenery is a fantastic thing for mm-hmm. him. And I think I became very, very frustrated this season, which he got off to just an exceptional start. Um, he was shooting over the first 12 games or so about 50% from three. It felt like a million percent from three. He wasn't missing. Um, and, and coming off a great summer team, Canada, um, coming off a really exciting playoff run for the Knicks. Like you could kind of talk to yourself into the decision making being better and like being a little bit more proactive as a passer. The defense was certainly better than last year where it was weirdly terrible and it, it was a regression. Um, and then he, he had this weird four game stretch or so where he was repeatedly out with quote unquote migraines, but he was in the arena, wasn't wearing sunglasses or anything. Some of us thought it might've been a knee issue because he had that a little earlier in the season or coming into this season. Um, and then from that point on, he, he hasn't really made a shot. Um, a, a couple of, a couple of games where it looked like the bounce back was coming and it's just been in fits and spurts. And to me, that is the the definition of the RJ Barrett experience fits and spurts. Every time you, you think he, he's on track and he's figured it out and he's going to be great. He has just a horrific stretch. Every time he usually to open the season, he's terrible. Um, he, and, and you're ready to totally give up on him. He gets it together and he has a really good game or two. So I would describe the RJ experience as ultimately frustrating with the caveat that I thought the Knicks were just about the worst possible context for him. And, right. and as much as the Knicks needed a break from R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett needed a break from the Knicks. This, this, this was a healthy breakup, Sean. I'm also encouraged. It does sound as though he's kind of one of these like gym rat dudes who is just like constantly working. And that, you know, the Raptors have had yeah. success with that type of dude. Pascal Siakam, DeMar DeRozan, I think both mm-hmm. kind of fall under that milieu. And, and Sean, that, that's quickly too. That's both. Yeah. To like the end degree. And that, that's what makes it painful to lose them. So let's wrap it on quickly then. Uh, again, the guy who I was just like thrilled that was coming the Raptors way, the type of player the Raptors desperately need, like a jitterbug guard with some frenetic energy. You can play on or off the ball. Work, I think, in tandem with Scotty Barnes really well. It was a little bit clunky in their first game, but you expect that, right? They were playing their first game together. Um, I do think like Barnes quickly pick and roll, whether it's Barnes uh, with the ball in his hand, and quickly screening or the inverse is going to be a thing the Raptors lean on for hopefully many, many years to come. I don't really have any concerns about the way quickly impacts this team in the regular season. Obviously the playoffs last year, not so hot. And you know, he's, you know, that's, it's tough, right? Guys will have bad, a bad playoff series and you get kind of branded as a bad playoff player. And I think that's unfair, especially when that player is like 23 years old, when that bad playoff series happens. Um, Was there anything particularly red flaggish about, quickly's playoff struggles um or do you think that's the type of thing that with time with age you know will just kind of get better as he physically matures a little bit more obviously too he's kind of a slight guy maybe that plays into it um but obviously i i think like his pull-up shooting talent that feels like a thing that absolutely plays in the playoffs and it's weird that it didn't in his struggles uh, in recent past but where, where are you at with quickly in the playoff thing is it a one-off thing or do you think there's a a, a a concern of him maybe being the type of guy who doesn't quite have the juice in the postseason down the line. Yeah, I would rate 
out of 10, maybe like my concern level, like a three out of 10, four out of 10, like 10 being the most concerned, one being the sure. least concerned, probably, probably closer to a three because cool. like, I think, I think his rookie season, you can, you can wipe off, right? Like that sure. uh, mo most rookies, even, even ones higher regarded than Emmanuel quickly struggle in the playoffs. If they're asked to play any type of significant role. And he was, he was given a very niche role in that series against the Hawks. Then last year, it was only five or six games. Was any hurt? I, I think it was his ankle feels like years ago now. Um, And, and, and he wasn't, he wasn't able to get back in time. So that was, that was just a small sample size. And what it reminded me of is, and, and why I think he's going to have so much success in Toronto is he's very much a rhythm player. And I think it's sure. a testament to him that he should have, should have absolutely should have been sixth man of the year in the NBA last year, despite the fact that he is very much a rhythm based player. And it's sometimes very tricky for him to start seasons on a high. And we saw that last year. We saw that this year. We saw it his second year, honestly. Like his rookie year was the one time where he started off and he was kind of volcanic. And he, he, that's probably some revisionist history on my part. It probably did take like 15 or 20 games for him to really get going his rookie season. And I, I think the fact that in Toronto, he's going to have that, that ultra long leash, right. Is like probably going to be playing 35 minutes night in and night out because there is such a need for him. I, I think it is totally going to transform his game. He was a monster last year as a starter, averaging something like, I'm sure you, I'm sure you read out the stats, Sean, but it was like 23, five and five in 21 games as a starter on I'm super like efficiency plus percent true shooting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 44 from the field, 38 from three. Like I have these numbers seared into my brain because I, I was reciting them like a lunatic um, <laughs> um, over the summer, trying to make the argument for him for him to start for the Knicks. Um, but I say all that to say, like at the beginning of last season, he came out and it just looked like not that he forgot how to play basketball, but all that swagger was just sort of gone. And mm. then I thought the same thing was there in the playoffs. And to me, that totally makes sense because it is a little bit of a different type of sport and there are different rules and you are guarded differently. And, and the things you do best are taken away with a level of aggression that frankly just never happens in the regular season. If you're not a star player and he had to adjust to that. And because of the way Tom Thibodeau used him and I was arguing at the time, like he should just be out there for 35 minutes a game because the Knicks were blowing the doors off the Cavs at his minutes, despite mm -hmm. the fact that he couldn't hit a shot. And that to me is kind of the ultimate ringing endorsement of Emmanuel quickly that even when he's not scoring, what he does defensively, what he does as a playmaker, what he does as a spacer um, still dictates the action in such a way that it's extremely beneficial to your team. Um, that being said, I think he's going to make shots and make it a non-issue in future playoffs because he's going to have that rhythm. Brother, you're really uh, vindicating me uh, being extremely thrilled about Emmanuel quickly being on the Toronto Raptors. It's uh, it's a lifelong dream come true if lifelong <laughs> means the last six months. But uh, that feels like a good place to leave it, no? Yeah, that's a. I mean, I think can we can we just throw out there like we're like I I, I can't like I think it's become very clear on this podcast. We are both just incredibly excited about OG and IQ. And I will say this, like as someone like, I, I hope I don't think I was too negative on RJ in this pod, but as someone who's been quite negative on him, like, like I think this last week is probably the most negative I've been on RJ. <laughs> like you're getting like a, a, a like all capital letter dude in RJ yeah. Barrett. Like the guy is a killer. He's incredibly confident. Um, I'm, I'm, I cannot, like, I don't think I've ever rooted more for, for two Knicks, like going to another team. Like I'm, I'm so excited for both of them. And, and I know there's been, there's been some animosity, certainly in our comments section <laughs> between Knicks and Raptors uh, fans. There, there is currently an ongoing lawsuit between the two teams, which makes this trade even. That's just rich, even, rich people problems. It doesn't exist yeah, right. me whatsoever. Yeah. It's fine. It's not for whatever. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not for the peons like Leon Rose and Masai Ujiri to worry about. Um, <laughs> but um, I say that to say like, like I hope, I think Raptors fans probably wish the same for OG and, and I, oh, yeah. I wish the best to, to those two guys. Um, so 
I think I think Sean, unless you have anything else that's as, as good of a note as any to, to wrap this up. Check out Sean Woodley uh, wherever you find podcasts, um, wherever you find YouTube. But there's only one place. It's YouTube.com. Uh, you can check out Locked On Raptors. You can check out Locked On Knicks. Please, please, please leave five star reviews for both shows. It really helps spread the word and uh, ensure more people can can hear us uh, borderline in in a in a pastor style way uh, preach the, the the heavenly greatness of Emmanuel quickly and OG and But until next time, he's Sean. I'm Gavin. We will talk to you very very soon on Locked On Knicks and Locked On Rap. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.